you'd like to um, follow the reading in your own Bible, if you've brought it with you or on your device, we've been looking at a series in Ephesians, and uh, we've got to that sort of um, point where Paul, in the first three chapters, he's been talking about the gospel of, of Jesus and um, talking about how personal salvation comes, uh, that he painted a portrait of what that may look like for each individual. And then he talked about the sort of landscape of salvation, which was a cosmic picture that Jesus hasn't come just to come and save individuals, although he does that, and that's part of what he does. He's come to, to renew the whole creation. It's part of something even bigger than, than what we can see. It's a cosmic thing. And then he prayed that wonderful prayer uh, for the believers as well. And then from chapter 4 onwards, he, he turns from kind of exposition to exhortation, um, to, to teaching about what the Christian life uh, looks like. And so we're going to join it. We're going to read quite a long passage this morning, but I want to take the passage kind of as a whole today. So the reading is um, chapter 4, verse 17 to 5, verse 20, and it should appear on the screen if you need it. So I tell you this, says Paul, and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on that new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up in accordance to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. There should not be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. 
For of this you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God. God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I think we could have done a whole series just on this one passage. There's a lot to kind of take in. But I would encourage you to to read it at home if you can, if you've got that time. Um, but I want to deal with the passage kind of as a whole. At the beginning of chapter 4, Paul talks about living a life worthy of the calling you've received. Edward talked about that a few weeks ago. But for a title for this talk, I want to use the title, Be Who You Are in Christ. Be Who You Are in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creation. Why would you put on the old again? I want to just share an illustration. I was trying hard to find pictures of uh, things that I wanted to say, but this is as good as I can get. Imagine, just imagine for a moment you've come home from a day, you know, in the field or whatever, and you've got quite mucky. And uh, your clothes are absolutely filthy, and you've sweated right through them. You've probably fallen into a cesspit, something like that. Can you imagine you getting the picture? Okay. And uh, you get home, and you jump into the shower. And it's just wonderful. And you just wash yourself clean, and you just smell lovely. And you get out of the shower and you face that dilemma. Do I put the old clothes on that I was wearing before the shower or shall I put on some new clothes? And most of us, unless you're really into that kind of thing, (laughs) would choose the clean clothes, would we not? Why on earth would we want to put on those filthy, mucky, smelly old clothes again? And I think... 
That gives us a little insight into what Paul is actually trying to say to the Ephesian believers in this passage. Be who you are in Christ Jesus. What we are in Christ determines so much of what we think. And what we think determines so much of how we act, what we do. Earlier on in Ephesians, we've seen that God is making a new humanity. Those who are in Christ are part of his new humanity, a new creation. A people who have put off the old life and put on the new because of all that Christ has done. In fact, Paul went further. He said, once you were dead. Remember that? He said you were dead. You weren't just in need of rescue. You were in need of a miracle because you were dead and now you are alive in Christ. He says something similar here. Once you were darkness. Notice he didn't say once you were in the darkness. Once you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord Jesus. It reminds us we couldn't save ourselves. We were without without hope in this world. But God came and rescued us. Once we were separated from God. But now we are saved, set free, forgiven, accepted, loved. That's who we are in Jesus. And he talks about, right through the passage, if you were to read it again, about the things that we've put off when we came to Christ. We were forgiven all our sins. We put off falsehood, anger, all kinds of sin, unwholesome talk, bitterness, rage, brawling, slander, malice, immorality of every kind, impurity, greed, foolish talk, coarse joking, selfishness, hardness of heart. That's what we took off when we came to Christ because we were forgiven and it was just left there. And we were washed clean in Christ. Why would we go back and put them on again? Because they're filthy. And we put on truth and peace and kindness and compassion and forgiveness and love and thanksgiving and goodness and righteousness and honesty. Who Jesus is. And when we've understood who we are in Christ, that desire within us to live a life worthy of the calling we received will rise. Because we're in Christ. And Paul says, be who you are. So in these instructions that he gives to those early believers how to live a godly life in the heart of an ungodly city, don't, remember the con- don't forget the context of what Paul is writing. He's planted that church in Ephesus. He was run out of town. He was threatened with his life. It's a church facing persecution, but it's a church in the midst of one of the biggest cosmopolitan pagan centers in the ancient world, Ephesus. It was one of the great port cities in the ancient world. It was a, a proud pagan city. Full of drunkenness, debauchery, greed. It was the home of Diana of Ephesus, the Greek goddess Artemis. They had a huge temple there in honor of her. She was the fertility goddess. It would not be unusual to have sexual orgies regulated around their worship. 
And that kind of set the tone for the city. Get a picture of what kind of city these new believers were living in. And Paul says, be who you are in Christ. And what is surprising, really, really surprising, is the way that Paul tells them how to live a godly life. Be light. You are light. It's nothing short of revolutionary. Paul once called Saul, Jewish rabbi, Pharisee, born-again follower of Jesus. He doesn't give them a Christianized version of the Ten Commandments. He could have done that, couldn't he? Listen, Ephesians, this is how I want you to live. Obey the Ten Commandments. And these are the rules and regulations of Christian living. And these are the ten spiritual resolutions that you can make To live a Christian life. Why does he not do that? Because he tells them, you are already godly in Christ. That's who you are. You've been washed, forgiven, you are loved, you are alive in Christ. The challenge he sets, insists on, urges, is to live out who you are in Jesus Christ. Don't put on those old filthy clothes again. Let your heavenly identity transform your earthly lifestyle. He is more concerned that we look to Jesus than look to even our sin. If you realize how you are loved by God, chosen by God, forgiven by God, adopted into his family, how much grace has been lavished on you, what a glorious inheritance we have in Christ, that we have the power of the resurrection within us, That we are even seated, as he says in chapter 1, in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus because of what God has done for us. Why would we want to put on those old clothes again? Speak the truth to one another in love. Not because of the ninth commandment, but because we are a family. Family of God. Guard your hearts against that bitter anger, not because of the sixth commandment, but because the devil is looking for a foothold. Any opportunity to launch a counterattack on your soul. We have an enemy. We are. Don't leave a door open for the enemy. Any door. Be loving, kind, forgiving. Do you know kindness is underrated, isn't it? Kindness is one of the purest forms of imitation of God. Being kind. And forgive out of the gratitude that Christ forgave you. Paul believes that we are actually sanctified, made holy, or made more like Jesus through the same gospel that has justified us, forgiven us, given us new life. It's the Holy Spirit at work within us. This is revolutionary. Even today. I've met believers in Christ who who kind of say, well, we've been saved by grace and then God expects us to work it out in our own strength. To live a godly life in our own strength. We cannot do it. 
We need the power of the Holy Spirit within us. If we expect that when we're saved, God just looks upon us and gets terribly frustrated and disappointed and disillusioned in in us when we don't do well enough, we have believed the lie that the enemy has sowed in our lives. Because that's what he would love us to believe. If he can't trick you into thinking that you can't get saved without your own human effort, that it's all grace and all of God, he will try and trick you to think that you can live a godly life in your own effort. And then when you get so disillusioned and so crushed that you'll abandon God. We cannot become godly by our own effort. Holy by our own effort. So why does Paul urge, insist on it? Well, he says, live out who you are. You are godly. You are saved. You are forgiven. You are washed. See, he's using a kind of different argument, isn't he? He could have just said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. This is the law. This is the rule. He doesn't. He says, you're in Christ Jesus. Know who you are. And we'll all be going, oh, that's a bit risky. (laughs) That's really risky, Paul. All this grace is a little bit too risky, isn't it? Lay down a few laws. It's when you lay down law, you forget the grace. You forget the love. You forget that you were purchased by Christ And then you become legalistic, start ticking off the things that you can do. You lose the joy. You lose your place. Yes, we are to repent of all impurity without a shadow of a doubt because these things are out of place with someone who's in Christ. That's the reason. Not because God is a tyrant just looking for you to mess up and then condemn you. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But yeah, we are to repent of all impurity, all immorality, all greed, all malice, all slander, all of these things that have been laid out. They're out of place in the new creation. We must not partner ourselves with an ungodly world and just saying, well, everyone's doing it, then that's okay for us. Imagine if Ephesians said, look, look, Paul, where we live. No, you're in Christ. You live in Christ. That's your identity. And we are to love because Christ first loved us. And the gospel is the key. It's the key to our justification. It's the key to our sanctification. Once you were darkness, now you are light. Be who you are. It means cooperating with the Holy Spirit to put to death any hint of sexual immorality. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Impurity, greed, bitterness, spitefulness, selfishness. 
And Paul is really practical too. You know, the, the verse when he says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. It's such practical advice. You know, I, I leave my computer on most of the day. And I, I switch it off at night so it can power down. And it sometimes says it's updating itself. And dealing with all the bugs and the, the viruses and things, all the unhelpful things. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. It's so practical of Paul. We all know the late night arguments are the worst. Aren't they the worst? When you fall out with someone, it's, it's late at night. It's just awful. I sometimes get emails and I often check what time it's sent. And the ones that are sent between midnight and one o'clock, I'm thinking, what are you doing? (laughs) Things seem darker then. Don't send it. Review it at nine o'clock in the morning. Don't let the sun go. Check our hearts. If our hearts refuse to switch off from ungodly emotions, that's a warning sign, isn't it? Just a heart check, quick heart check. If you're hurting, exhausted, angry, resentful, tense, the enemy will come after you. And when you're feeling these things, you need to come to God, don't you? And repent. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed. You were sealed for that day of redemption. That day when Jesus is coming back again, when he will make all things new. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit for that day, says Paul. So watch your heart. And what comes out of our mouths and ask is this fitting for someone who is in Christ Jesus speak things that build and not tear down really practical advice from Paul you know, remember when revival swept through Wales in 1904, 1905 one of the special stories that I remember reading was of the uh, pit ponies who stopped working in the mines because they couldn't understand the miners' uh, commands anymore because they weren't uh, swearing at them and and using curses and profanities and the ponies didn't understand them anymore. They had to learn a new language. It's what the Holy Spirit does when he moves in power. He brings holiness. He brings a Christ-likeness. And we need to keep praying for revival. In our own hearts, in our own lives. True repentance, change, transformation comes from a new heart. You're in Christ, you have a new heart. These are gifts that God has given us of repentance, of change, of transformation. No religion can do this. No law can do this. But only God can do this. 
Avoid all cheap imitations that the enemy may lure us with. The imitations always put God on the outside. Don't be partners with them, says Paul. It is not proper for God's people to live like that. He even says that immorality, impurity, greed are all forms of idolatry. Again, Ephesus was famous for idolatry. That's why Paul, one of the reasons why Paul was run out of town was because they weren't selling enough idols anymore. People were coming, becoming Christians, weren't taking their idols and buying them of gold and silver and putting them in their homes because they were trusting in the Lord Jesus. Place is full of idols. I mean, he says it's not just made of gold and silver, but they're made of immorality, impurity, greed. Whatever comes before God is an idol, isn't it? You can argue that, can't you? Whatever, whatever sets itself up before God, before Christ Jesus, is an idol because you're putting that, that thing before God. So what can overcome these things? Well, thanksgiving for a start. It's not an obvious substitute for sin, but thanksgiving is the opposite of selfishness and self-centeredness because we lift our eyes and we begin thanking God for all that he's done for us and it begins to change us. Remember who you are. You are light. And finally, he says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul has already told us we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He's told us to warn not to grieve the Holy Spirit. But there's no greater secret to holiness than the infilling of the one who by very nature and name is holy. The Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't get under the influence of alcohol, but be influenced by the Holy Spirit who can make us more like Jesus. Yes, these are instructions for Christian living, but Paul is appealing to those. Live out who you are. We were forgiven all our sins through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are freed from our sins through the same death and resurrection of Jesus. And I know we all struggle with sin. It's our common ground. We all struggle with the old self. We all struggle with the temptations that come. But we need to come back quickly to God. We need to surrender to him. We need to make ourselves that willing sacrifice. We have all the resources we need to fight that fight. And if we're honest, the reason sometimes we fail to root out persistent sin in our lives is that we don't want to. But Paul calls us to remember who we are. 
Remember that baptism in Christ Jesus. And note he says, go on being filled. Filled is not full. We always need more of God on the inside every day. If I was to ask us one by one, are you full of the Holy Spirit? We'd all say, well, no, but I want more. Let's make it a lifestyle, not a memory. I remember when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. No. A lifestyle every day to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be more of him. So I'd encourage you to read this passage again at home. It's so difficult in 30 minutes to, to take it all in, I guess. But today, don't move until you've surrendered yourself to God. Don't move until you've repented of your sin. Don't move until you've asked the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. Notice that that appeal from Paul to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to go on being filled, is is put in the context of worship as well, isn't it? Singing songs to one another, reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ. And so we're going to do the same. Going to ask Sally and the band to come back and lead us in a time of worship and praise where we can respond to God, to surrender to him, to repent, to turn away from those things that we know belong to that old pile of clothes and not the new and to ask for more of the Holy Spirit afresh in our lives so that we may live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Let's stand together. Father God, we thank you for your love.